Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of The Stoop. Right here on Block Talk Radio. That's right. We're excited tonight. It's a Wednesday night, an amazing Wednesday night. I'm your host, Jeff the Shark Perini, and with me, the lovely, the talented, the amazing, the beautiful, Jewel Tatey. Jewel, happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, Jeff. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. <laughs> this is our Wednesday hump day edition of The Stoop, and uh, has nothing to do with the guest on the show, but... You know, it's just hump day. Uh, we've got a doubleheader tonight, Jewel. We've got two great guests coming on the show, and I'm just so excited for both because both are super talents. First off, around 8.30, we're going to have the gorgeous Madeline Zima. You might know her as Gracie from The Nanny, and she's been on Twin Peaks and Californication. Amazing, beautiful actress. She'll be with us. And at 9.20, we change gears. We go to the world of music, a super talented composer, Singer, Tony Chen. So we're double-heading today. How do you feel about doing uh, two for the price of one, Jewel? I am so excited. I am so excited to speak to both of these guys. They're both extremely talented in their fields. But, uh, no, Madeline Zima, she's just funny and hilarious. And, uh, you know, I love all the shows that she's on and the movies. And uh, Tony Chen is going to be so exciting to talk to because I just want to pick his brain He's into so many things, and, um, yeah, his talent is just unparalleled. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait to speak to both of them. Yeah, that sounds awesome. We're definitely looking forward to it. We're going to play one of Tony's songs later this evening as well. So it's going to be an extra-long episode, so uh, settle back, dig in, kick out your beer. I got my beer for the night, Joel. Uh, I busted open a collector's item here, uh, my Goose Island Madame Rose from 2016. Because it's a special show. Getting to have two superstars on is special. So I'm, I'm drinking something classy tonight. I got my pinky out, drinking out of my fancy glass. What do you got going on? What are we drinking in, there in, the, in the glass tonight? Nice, yeah. I thought that was wine. Um, it's so fancy looking. <laughs> Your rosé. <laughs> but, uh, no, I just have some, my uh, Captain and Coke here. Like per usual on my part but you know does the job and uh yeah i'm celebrating this night because this is a huge show and i'm super excited we've been checking the, the last couple of nights we're definitely excited the last couple of nights we've been checking the ratings have been really big getting a lot of listeners and we really appreciate that that's awesome uh monday night we didn't have a guest we freeformed me and joel just kind of got yes, out there we did. and chit-chatted <laughs> and yes we did and uh it went really well. We had a lot of listeners. I think people just like hearing the sound of our voices. We're upbeat, positive. We don't talk uh, the P word. We don't talk no politics. We don't talk the R word. No religion here. Just nope, fun. Nope, a nope. lot of fun. No. Um, Speaking we do fun. appreciate it, you guys. Like the you know support has been so amazing, and we do really appreciate every one of you guys. And thank you so much for listening. Absolutely, and uh, we also take gifts, money. Anything of that sort. So if you like yeah. listening, just yeah, feel free to throw us money. We'll give out some addresses later on in the show. 
speaking of fun and laughing and things that we like to do, we like to do a little something here that we call the top five list. With the top five list, uh, we, we pick things every week, and uh, we rate what we love. And uh, I, I threw Jewel a curveball here. If you've been listening the first couple episodes, and a lot of you have, you know that me and Joel have pretty diverse taste in music. Mine's more of a uh, rock and metal type, and Jewel's a little more, um, let's say, a little bit of hip-hop, a little bit of modern. But I threw this one here, and it's top five tonight, and we, I've done it in the past. I know my list may have changed from then. Top five all-time favorite guitar players doesn't necessarily mean the best of the best is listed by this magazine or that magazine it's listed by the stoop and i'm gonna go first because i see jewel fanning herself over there like she's nervous (laughs) to give me this list because she knows i beat her in all these all these things it's a lot of pressure i can't take it (laughs) it is a lot of pressure but i'm gonna go with my top five list and uh Follow along with me here. I'm going to start out with number five with a super underrated guitar player, uh, one that passed away recently, a fantastic artist, uh, the artist that we know as Prince. Might be underrated. Some people may never really understand, but if you listen to Prince and watch him play and, and collaborations and everything, he's phenomenal. man plays an amazing guitar, and he is sorely missed, one of the greatest talents of our generation. That's number five. Number four, Slash. You know, I love my Guns N' Roses. I've seen them live. I love the sounds of Slash. I like his solo stuff. Uh, that song, Anastasia, just the beginning of that right there. We'll show you why you will love Slash. Number three, my all-time favorite band. And I said you could put any one of their band members out there, and they'll be the greatest in tops of list. Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin for me. Jimmy breaks out that double-barrel guitar, and he's playing top, and he's playing bottom, and it's all different riffs, and he's just been fantastic. He always looks like he's kind of driving a boat. He's got this big guitar, and he's swaying <laughs> back and forth like, he, like he's steering a ship. You know? <laughs> you know, so next time you see Jimmy Page videos, you're going to laugh hysterically. You're going to remember that. Number two, always a tough one for me, a two and one. Number two, it was Edward Van Halen. Uh, I love Van Halen. I love Eddie Van Halen. I, the way he plays that guitar, that tapping style that he kind of invented and made his own, Phenomenal to see him live now. He's been sober. He, his music is still on point. Van Halen, one of the legendary bands of all time. Eddie Van Halen, number two. Number one, a man that passed away some time ago. But what he did with, get to, with a guitar, it's almost not fair. And that's Jimi Hendrix. Uh, nothing Jimmy couldn't do with a guitar. Nothing that sounded wrong ever coming off his fingers. Always sounded dead on point. Things that nobody will ever do with a guitar again. Jimmy Hendrix, number one. That is my top five list. I will turn it over to the queen of guitars, <laughs> Joel Tatey, and her top five list. Jeff, I have to say, I knew all your top five before you even said it. I knew it. I was like, he's going to pick this, and he's going to pick Hendrix, and he's going to pick this. I have to find other ones because, you know what? Some of those made it on my list. So, yes, I changed it up. Yes, I didn't pick Jimmy Hendrix or Prince. And here is my top five. So, number five. But, oh, wait. I just put my foot in my mouth because I have Slash as my number five. (laughs) The only reason I have Slash as my top five is because, like, one of the earliest memories I have is listening to November Rain. And I'm like, how the hell did he play that? And I want to learn how to play that on the guitar. And, you know... My family, we always played instruments in our house, piano, guitar, drums, like we all played something. Um, 
and Slash, I was like, I have to learn how to play that November Rain riff. So, yes, he just has to be up there on my top five because he's an all-time great, and he has a piece of my childhood. So, yes, uh, I got you on that one, Jeff. I'm sorry about that. But your top That's five okay. list was great. I'm going to go a little off here, and you'll see why. Number four, Tom Morello. He played with awesome. Audio Slave. I saw him twice on tour with Bruce, and he just held his own. Bruce has, like, nothing but rants and raves to say about Tom Morello. He just is amazing. He can play any genre, and he'll just kick it with the best of them. So, Tom Morello, he's my number four. Number three, Dan Auerbach. I'm sorry if I butchered his last name, but he is the front man for the Black Keys. Um, he produced my probably my all-time favorite album, that's Ultraviolence by Lana Del Rey, and he just let her do her thing. He let the musicians do their thing, and um, he's just an amazing musician, and the Black Keys are one of my all-time favorite bands as well. Uh, number two, Nils Lofgren. He plays guitar for Bruce. I saw him um, probably 12 times in my lifetime. I saw him once by himself live in uh, Atlantic city. And it was just insane. It was like three people were playing the guitar, the way he <laughs> can manipulate that thing. It's just, it's just crazy to see someone who can really play just well right in front of you. So that was an amazing experience. And my number one, his name is, I'm sorry if I butcher it, but it's Blake Stranthanan. And he comes up with these riffs. He's such a young kid. He's probably like 22. But he comes up with these riffs and like inspires artists to write songs off of them. He, again, wrote songs off of one of my favorite albums that's Ultraviolence. And he could just, he's just so creative. And I appreciate that so much. And it's so good to see young kids coming up and doing their own thing and having eclectic sound and everything like that. And, um, of course, you know, I love Bruce Springsteen. I love John Denver. And there's a million people who could have made my list tonight, Jimi Hendrix, Prince. But um, this kid just really does it for me. And, and that's my top five, Jeff. It's a very good top five. I like it. I, I like when we venture out and uh... – one thing that, you know, back when we did the show before with me and John, he always liked to go with some of those obscure names, and we love it, and that's great. Uh, it's all about what you like, and it's a great list, and we're going to replay the top five list, my top five. I started out with Prince, uh, number four, Slash, from Guns N' Roses. Uh, number three, from Led Zeppelin, my favorite band of all time, Mr. Jimmy Page, steering the ship. <laughs> number two <Yeah>. is <laughs> number two is Eddie Van Halen. Number one, of course, the legendary Jimi Hendrix. Jewel, top five list, and, and a great start. Slash, of course, at number five. So we duplicated that one. Doesn't happen often. Number four, God, Tom Morello. I'm a little disappointed in myself. Tom could have easily been sixth on my list. Really plays it different. Sounds like a scratching DJ kind of thing. He's got the strings all over the place. He really wails, and Tom Morello is outstanding. Number three is Dan Eierbach. If I mis mispronounce him, also, I apologize. I love your music, though. Number two, Nils Lofgren. Obviously, Jewel, uh, you're getting the theme here, a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Yep. <laughs> and number one, it's Blake Stranath. 
<laughs> sorry, Blake Stranathan, also known as Blake Lee. So let's go and break Blake Lee for tonight and make it easier on ourselves. That sounds good. <laughs> There's a million Lees. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, you know, but we'll do it tonight because uh, you know that's my middle name, Jeff. My middle name's Lee. <laughs> Lee, exactly. That's why I said that. Also yep. known as uh, Jewel Lee. <laughs> now you're Julie. Jewel Lee. Well, you're, it's uh, horrible because my name's Jewel Lee and Lee Ann. Isn't that redundant? <laughs> that, that's a lot. <laughs> Julie Lynn Ann Slim no. Tatey. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's Julie Ann Lee Ann Tatey. Julie so Ann. So it's two Lees in there. Lee Ann Slim Tatey Tatey. Did we get all that? Yep, yep, yep. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. To the Izzo. H to the Izzo. Yep. Great stuff. Terrific top five time. That was really a good one. I know when we got on for the pre-show, Jewel stuck up a select finger at me to this. It wasn't her pinky. It wasn't her index finger. It wasn't her thumb. You can kind of get an idea what finger I was talking about. But we did it, and you made through it. All right, so – we're moving along, and we we got a while. We were going to have you for about two hours tonight, as long as you uh, stick around. Please hang around. Yeah, Madeline. <laughs> please hang around. You're going to miss Madeline Zima and Tony Chen, not at the same time. That's perverse. <laughs> <laughs> Points of discussion is what we do here after top five. We talk about some topics, and we got a few. And we're going to get through some of them uh, before Madeline calls in. Uh, here's one that I rate the living hell out. I mean, you know. UFC, Ultimate Fighting Jewel. John Jones, a, a very talented fighter, but a guy always getting in trouble. John Jones suspended, again, this time for the use of uh, steroids, a positive steroid test. i got to ask you, should athletes start to get hit with lifetime bans from these sports? Isn't it, isn't it obvious by now that steroids and cocaine and all this, isn't it obvious it's illegal right now? What was your stance? What would you say... If you're a leader of one of these sports organizations at this point. It should be obvious that all of these drugs should be illegal and are illegal and that you shouldn't use them. Um, of course, steroids have been a major factor in every sport the past however many years, but people keep getting in trouble for them. Um, I believe people deserve second chances. Um, I, I sh- Definitely don't think this should be the end-all, be-all of his career. Um, you know, like, look at Lance Armstrong. He, see, I battle with this because we hype him so much up in our minds, and he's a hero, and, oh, but wait, he did steroids, so it's really not all that great. Mark McGuire, he hit how many home runs, but really he had help. So, um, yeah, I, I do think they should be banned, but I do you think people deserve that second chance to prove it? Um, maybe there should be like a three strikes law, maybe two strikes. I'm not really sure. How you, how you feeling on this? It, it's tough to say because obviously these athletes generate a lot of money. But at what cost? Because obviously steroid use is now considered it's cheating. It's cheating in any sport, especially fighting when it builds a, a rage as well as a power source. And in baseball, you mentioned Mark McGuire, and here's a guy that built tremendous power. Not that it's going to make your eye contact any better, but once you get a hold of that ball with that kind of strength, it's going to change things. Really, I mean, 
Yeah, you're talking about second chances, and John Jones has had a few chances with a few different substances, and here's a guy who may be playing his way out. Being an athlete is more of a privilege than a right. You don't have a right to be an athlete, even if you're great. doesn't mean, hey, we have to make you an athlete. You're privileged to try out and work and, and earn your keep, and you're going to end up making a lot of money. Meanwhile, people like us here on the stoop and <laughs> people out there in the working world have to work at an honest living. I can't take steroids from my tongue to make me talk better, you know? Nope. <laughs> so some of them nope. do it the natural way, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's with anything. Uh, I was thinking of Michael Phelps when he smoked pot. That's not enhanced It's not going to enhance his performance. Um, I personally don't think pot's a big deal, especially, you know, it's legal in most states now, but that's not going to enhance his ability to be a great swimmer. So, but with this, I don't, I'm not familiar with how many chances he's already gotten. I do believe there's a limit. Like you can't just screw up over and over again. You like, you are representing a brand here. So, um, yeah, I do think he needs to get penalized in some way, maybe not for a lifetime, but, uh, yeah, definitely some punishment is deserved. Yeah. You bring up an interesting point because now, um, you know, marijuana is becoming illegal in a few states, and you know some sports are still outlawing it. And there's a there's talk of the NBA making it legal. Um, so when it becomes legal in all the states, that's going to be a challenge because if it's legal in the state, why wouldn't it be legal in a sport? Uh, my wife is a nurse, and she said even in the states where it's legal, nurses still aren't allowed to participate in recreational marijuana use. Right. So that might have to be the thing. I mean, legal or not, they they have the right to keep it out of their out of their game, out of their league. Well, like, uh, I just watched, what was it, uh, Pro Sports on HBO, and it said most football players turn to marijuana as pain relief. But it's way better, in my opinion, than, you know, the prescription pills are taken. I mean, the Broncos Stadium has a whole smoking lounge right outside their stadium, so people can sit there and smoke and watch the game. I, uh, I think that's pretty cool. I would love to go to Colorado, <laughs> but... uh. Yeah, it's just not, I don't know. It's becoming more the norm than ever today. and uh, But it, it's still, steroids is a totally different subject. Yeah, it makes sense. And maybe for some pain relief, you know, if, if you had a choice between the hard narcotics and uh, like the oxycodones and, and stuff like that, yeah, you'd rather smoke pot. But uh, it comes a gray area. We're going uh, to see what happens in the near future. We're going to keep an eye on the John Jones story and the, all sports and see what happens. Um, on to another subject, uh, about a year ago, we had a fantastic actress on the stoop, a young, lovely young lady by the name of Erin Hayes. And uh, if you've heard, she was on the show uh, Kevin Can Wait with Kevin James. Recently told that she's being removed from the show after Leah Remini made a guest appearance and appears that Leah's going to come back and play Kevin's interest again. Recently told Erin that her character is going to get killed off, so there's no comeback, no nothing. We're killing you off, and you're gone. I'm starting to hear a lot of stuff about Kevin James. Is this a, a Kevin James power trip? Uh, do you think fans lose interest in the show when they kill off a, a nice actress and a character like that? What's your outlook on this? Um, you know, I I don't feel that 
shows lose interest. Uh, maybe they even gain interest. Like you take Game of Thrones for example. Um, they killed off their main character in the first season. Sorry for the spoiler, <laughs> but uh, they did. They kill everybody, like, from what I hear. <laughs> yeah, like all the people you get used to, they kill off. Um, so maybe that makes for a good TV. Maybe this is just you know way to promote the show. But uh, I honestly have never watched an episode. I honestly am not a real big fan of Kevin James. Uh, I don't think he's funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm biased, but I never really chuckle. Like, I watched King of Queens a bunch of times, but really, Jerry Stiller was a funny one in that. Uh, I do love Leah Remini, but I don't think she's, like, super hilarious. Maybe they're good together, but I don't know. Um Erin Hayes is a great actress. Like, I've seen her on a bunch of other things. I think she's going to succeed in movies, and, you know, I think she's going to be successful in other parts. Like, she doesn't need the show to be successful. Um, So he wants to kill her off. He wants to kill her off. Like, I don't think it's a big deal. They killed Charlie Sheen off uh, Two and a Half Men. Remember that? Charlie Sheen kind of indirectly killed himself off of Two (laughs) and a Half Men. (laughs) In a a move that hurt. He dug his own grave. Yeah, and it's a good comparison because that's a show that I feel sunk in the toilet after he left. I know it survived for a while, but, I mean, that show was, was pretty much a real-life biography of, of Charlie Sheen. I mean, he's a actor with a drinking and a drug problem, and here was Charlie Harper with a, a musician with a drinking and drug problems. <laughs> so, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, um, I was sad because when Ann Aaron on, she was an excellent actress, and she was so... Uh, excited for the role, and uh, you know, last one year the show got some momentum. It started out with a good first season, good ratings, and uh, now it's going to be changed. And uh, a lot of people think it's going to be King of Queens 2.0. I like King of Queens. I think it's funny, but it's not for yeah, but everybody. That's I just weird. that's weird I, to like you know, you make it in that way. I don't know, right. especially it's, after it's kind of Aaron. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of an indirect rerun of the show, and you hope it doesn't get that same stale. Um, outlook, but well, no, we'll, we'll yeah. see. Um, that show's going to plunk. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, we got Madeline coming on in a few minutes. Uh, she mentioned she might be a little early with us, so uh, we're going to tackle another topic. And if she calls in, we'll just cut us off. And it's a topic that all men out there are interested to hear about. Some of your lovely leading actresses like Kristen Stewart, Catherine McVie. Skier, Lindsay Vaughn, Miley Cyrus, all coming out again and attacking these hackers that have managed to get naked photos of them and are selling them illegally to websites. Lawyers are getting involved. Legal action's coming up. Let me ask you just how little how little privacy do celebrities have anymore? Is there any shame? Like, do, do these paparazzis and these sneaks and these hackers, when are they going to cut it off? What do you think's going on here? I mean, your your private life is your private life, you know. Uh, what you put on your personal device should be personal, but um, it, these actresses keep putting stuff in this cloud. And I actually watched the news this morning, and it was a lawyer, and she said that the reason hackers are hacking in to these nude photographs is because they're guessing the answers to their security questions. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> So, like, if that is Jennifer crazy. Lawrence's grandmother's maiden name, like, they're going to guess that because anyone in the world can Google that. 
Um, so they really need to step up their security or maybe, I don't know, get another locked device or change their password at least. Um, I, I, you know, art is art and your personal life is your personal life. Uh, don't send it out. Don't give out your phone number because people can send you hacked emails and, and text messages. So uh, people just got to be really aware these days because people can get into anything, you know? Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And, and like I said, doing this show here to you and trying to stay informed, I, I tried to do some research and I got to tell you, I, you know, I went to check out, you know, these naked photos of Lindsey Vaughn and Catherine McVeigh <laughs> and Kristen Stewart. <laughs> well, I had to do research for the show. It's all about the yeah, show. Yeah, you know. About, you know. And I didn't have a lot of luck finding them. So I, I guess they're getting banned quicker than we thought. Um, I thought I saw a naked picture of Miley Cyrus. It turns out it was actually a, a five-year-old boy. So I had, to, uh, oh get, I had to get rid of that one real quick. It's hard to tell the difference. Might have been wow. Justin I'm not really sure. It would have looked a lot alike. <laughs> Miley and the Bee, like. separate, separated at birth. But no, seriously, I, I haven't come across these pictures, and uh, the way they make it sound, it's all over the Internet, and you can find it anywhere you go. Um, but, yeah, I don't really see a need for it. I mean, you remember the uh, the story, you may not remember the story, of Aaron Andrews, who works for Fox Sports, uh, where a bellhop did a reverse peephole on her and actually filmed her in her hotel room, getting naked, getting changed, oh. walking around in her underwear. Oh, she sued for huge money, and, and that's terrifying. I mean, that's a little. It, it really pushes the limits. It goes to show you what kind of people are out there. I mean, yeah, I knew the feeling. I mean, people try <laughs> to get naked pictures of me all the time. They're saying, "There's that guy from the stoop." I'm all dying the to time. see him naked. Yeah, and I'm gonna let you know right now. Save the twenty-five cents it's gonna cost you to uh, research me. It's not worth it. It's not worth the trip. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jeff. Uh, you know, you know. But you, you know what? Stop. I don't trust this this cloud business. I don't have a cloud personally. I have a drive. Um, seems like the drive is a safe place to go. I guess. Well, you know, let's try and get another opinion from our guest. Let's see what she says. We are about to be joined right now. And oh, I am man. nervous and fan geeked and all that good stuff for Miss Madeline Zima. Madeline, welcome to the stoop. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Madeline. Hi, how are you? <laughs> oh, Nervous, how are, are you? <laughs> Nervous. <laughs> Me too, don't worry, just freeze. All good. In the uh, same boat. Right, we're, on, we're on the same page. Jewel and I are over here uh, drinking alcoholic beverages <laughs> to calm ourselves down. Uh, we are very excited. I told Jewel the other day that me and you had had a brief conversation, Marilyn, uh, Madeline, I'm sorry. See how nervous I am? And I uh, told her how absolutely wonderful you are. So we know we're going to have a great show. Um, let's get right down to some questions. Are you ready for that? Sure, yeah. Excellent. So we all remember you, and for those of you who may not remember, we will remind you. We remember you as the adorable Gracie Sheffield on The Nanny, where you were just amazing. And you were in the uh, also started off in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle uh, as a young girl, too. So how did yeah. you get your big, big break? Who, who discovered you at such a young age? I think my mom was the first one to discover me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, basically, it is kind of true, though. Um, my My mom... When I was 28 months, 
she took me on um, an open call for a Downey commercial. And so, because uh, she was just thought, oh, I live, we lived in PA and New York wasn't that far of a drive and um, it would have been a national commercial, uh, this campaign, come on into Downey. And uh, she's like, oh, they were looking for babies and she just thought she had the cutest little baby in the world. So she Aww. took me on the audition. It was my first audition and I, I booked it out of a thousand other babies. I was the only one who wasn't crying. I was just sort of like <laughs> enjoying my experience. And um, and then uh, 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 shortly after that, my first feature film, but I worked as like a like model, a child model, how weird is that? A model and um, <laughs> and a uh, uh, in commercials and then and then I auditioned for The Hand That Rocks the Cradle with um, Curtis Hansen, who's such an incredible director. I'm such a, I'm so honored to have been, have gotten to work with him, even though I was like too young to really enjoy the experience as much as I would have now, I'm sure. But um, uh, anyway, so he would, I, I guess he would be the one that discovered me, but I was also had like a small, like back, I was a background worker in a Woody Allen movie um, when I was oh, a kid, wow. although I don't really. I have vague recollections of that as well, but not nothing like like the Hand of the Cradle was like a defining moment in, in my young life. I remember I remember specifically working with Julianne Moore and Rebecca De Mornay and um, Ernie Hudson, who was the sweetest, and uh, uh, Annabella Shiora and Matt McCoy. Um, it was it was a, a wonderful experience on that on that little movie. Um, that was a long answer. Sorry, I ramble on and on. <laughs> oh, no, you're fine. Um, I heard that you're a huge Woody Allen fan. Is that what uh, stemmed your, you know, affection for Woody Allen and his movies? I am a huge Woody Allen fan. You're right. I don't know where you heard that, but it's true. I'm sure I don't <laughs> all research, Madeline. <laughs> oh, man, I'm a big mouth. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I just loved Woody Allen because – there's something about his honesty that I really appreciate. Obviously, yeah, I, as a like getting to be in the same vicinity as him as a child was pretty cool. But I, I, you know, now as an adult, I would love to have like a conversation with Woody Allen. Um, there's something about his honesty that's pretty amazing. He also has, you know, his films and his personal life. I have to kind of try to keep separate, but it is, yeah, it's tough. The, the older I get and the more research I do, it's tough to still love him the same way I did when I didn't know as much about his his uh, his life. Um, <laughs> yes, but, um, right? I mean, it's, it's hard. There are friends that I have that won't even watch a Woody Allen movie because uh, they're too disturbed by any possibility of any uh, weirdness. So, um, yeah. But I, I just love his honesty. I think we're all you know, feel nervous and uncomfortable most of the times in our, in our skin and, and that, that he highlights that in a it sort of celebrates it. It's kind of a liberating thing. So. Yeah. You there's know. a beauty in it, you know, and he really demonstrates that. Like we're all nervous. <laughs> you were just saying you're nervous and you're nervous and you got totally <laughs> hit a little courage sauce in order to feel strong. But um, I'm nervous too. I've just gotten really, really good at hiding it. And just over time, <laughs> practice and stuff. I don't know. It's gotten worn well, out of me. It's just been, you know. That that's a good thing. I was uh, 
So I was in my car yesterday, and like I said, my cell phone rings, and it says Madeline Zima, and I automatically <laughs> freak. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. So uh, <laughs> I guess to use that as, ex- <laughs> use that as excited energy. Um, let's get back to some acting things. You were excellent in The Nanny, as I said. I thought little Gracie was an excellent character. You played her perfectly. Thank and it, and it's almost, Sure, and it's almost like it's n- never changed. You still have that that Gracie kind of voice, that sweet, loving voice. Um, is that mostly you? Is your acting you, or is it practice? Do you have to try to be a little something different when you're uh, acting? Well, I mean, um, the last the last job that I did, I, I had to be a mom, and um, a mom who ends up, you know, losing her son, like a grieving mother, and I don't have a child, and so... Um, with with work like that, with with character work like that, you have to use things that make it real to you. Otherwise, it's not good. And um, so I have a dog, so I had to substitute my dog for. The, that's the closest I have. Um, Same <laughs> here. babies too. Same here. Dog <laughs> yeah, a dog and a child aren't exactly the same, but it's pretty close when you're when you're having to go certain places emotionally. And I would say everything is a part of yourself. Um, and there are certain parts of yourself, there are certain things like certain roles, like on Californication, I didn't feel like it was myself and I judged the character, which you're not supposed to do, but you can't kind of help it sometimes. I feel like if you have strong opinions or morality or anything. So, um, I, I had a hard time with, with certain characters. Um, uh, but I would know if they, if, if I didn't, couldn't find parts of the character inside myself, I, I could always like use other people. So I would use people I knew who were like that, who I, I or I'd seen some version of that in real life and use that. But I think, you know, your life is the is the ground from which you can kind of um, create whatever whatever energy you want to you want other people to feel and and uh, come across in a scene. So. Um, it's 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 all me to a certain extent. It all has to come through me. I'm yeah. just, but I'm just a filter, you know. It's I'm not just I'm just like a, I'm just like a funnel. It's not necessarily, you know. It's it's some other thing happening most of the time. Sometimes I even don't remember what I've done or said or anything. Like if I'm really in a scene, it's almost like I black out to a certain extent and I can't well, really remember fun. what's happening. <laughs> kind of. It's yeah. also kind of weird. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't happen as much. Now, uh, as I'm, I've gotten older and more control over my craft or whatever, but when I was younger, I, I wouldn't remember what happened, and I would leave the room and, and sometimes get the job, and I'd be like, oh, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to recreate any of that when they when I get on set. Like, I don't know what I did. All I know oh. is that I was doing so many things and, and so in, involved in it that I, I can't remember my mind thinking, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. It was more just a seamless kind of thing that happened. That's weird. <laughs> it's just, yeah. That's wow. not a good explanation. <laughs> that, that, that kind of stems off the, the next question I was going to ask you, because you've been in some very popular shows lately, kind of like a resurgence. Um, Heroes, which is big, Californication, uh, Twin Peaks. Um, and you've been in a, yeah. a lot of movies as well. Um so you, you kind of answered it, but I'll hit you with it in a different way. Uh, what are your favorite types of roles to play? Do you like being um, the good, sweet girl? Do you like being a little bit of a bad girl? What What do you like to sink your teeth into? That's a good question. Um, you know, I've played a lot of a lot of the kind of darker characters, um, either manipulative or 
super sexual or mean stepsister. Um, yeah, mean stepsister. Well, that was kind of fun because it's goofy. It's a real goofy character. Oh um, yeah, that's but yeah, that was good. Some light, lighthearted fun, like goofiness. And for a long time, with that role, like people would come up to me and and say. You're the one who farted in the pool. That's how I get recognized. <laughs> You're the one who farted. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. Own it. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, look, I just love to work. I'm grateful whenever all the stars align and I, I get to do what I love and get paid for it. Um, but uh, I guess my favorite kind of roles now are roles that are a little bit more uh every like a slice of life kind of kind of a uh story the the story where you know you're just walking down the street and kind of minding your own business and then something happens and and you have to come from a place that's more real and grounded and and i don't necessarily i like stories that are just simple stories about about human beings trying to figure themselves out those are my favorite kind of roles um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I would prefer to do less of the naughty roles now. It would be nice okay. to just play like a sweet, a sweet, a sweet character that just is more simple and, and just trying to find their own happiness in life. Because I think that's really where we're all at. We're just trying to find a little bit of our own happiness and feel, feel a little better. Um, so I think that's something that everyone kind of needs as a, as a story. Or it's yeah. what I would like to sell this word right now. Excellent. I mean, yeah. Um, but on the weird side, <laughs> if we're talking about weird things, uh, David Lynch created this world where it was so weird that it spawned a whole generation of weird TV shows that I'm a fan of, um, from The X-Files to The Leftovers. And, uh, yeah, I'm talking about Twin Peaks, but... Uh, I, I heard you were a fan of David Lynch, and I just wanted to know about your experience working with him, and 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 what like the whole vibe was like, and how you uh, how, how you got into the zone. Well, I was I was um, I was understandably nervous, uh, uh, <laughs> and I, I I purposely didn't didn't I watched pieces of Twin Peaks. I didn't watch the whole show because. If I got too invested in it, like I can, I can, you know, you can disappear into a world of a show and feel like it's all your real friends and your real life. And um, I didn't want to do that because I felt like I would, I would come on set and not be able to breathe, and I wouldn't be able to communicate ideas to David Lynch. So I, I wanted to be able to be a little bit less of a fan than I normally would be. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I've seen Mulholland Drive and um, and. Uh, uh, some of his other films and um, like Blue Velvet. I'm a fan of, of, of his filmmaking, and I think he's a brilliant filmmaker. Twin Peaks was something that I I only watched little pieces of, so I could get a, a vibe on it. But I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't disappear into the world. Now I'm more of a fan than than before I, I got the job. But um, it's uh, it was incredible. I mean, he's a legendary auteur filmmaker. I I, I was. I was uh, not really wanting to do nudity again, and and then I I only really kind of reconsidered it for working with somebody like Lynch, where um, 
I, I trusted that it would be tasteful, but that also that it served some other purpose in the story. Very and creepy. That, very <laughs> creepy. A creepy purpose, but still yeah. a purpose. <laughs> and, you know, walking onto set with him and, and, and the way that the respect that he that he uh, commands on a set and the, the way that everyone treats each other. And it was one of the happiest sets I've ever been on because he's used the same people. And that's one of the things I love about really good filmmakers. They use the same people for years and years and years. There's some people who worked on the original Twin Peaks from the crew, you know, working on the, on the, the reboot. And of course, using the same like Kyle McLaughlin and, uh, all the, and Ray Weiss and all these amazing human beings, fabulous actors. Yeah. Um, but you know, just that that um, there's so there's such a a, a very there's a limited amount of um, uh, loyalty in in show business and and sure. um, it's very it's a very fickle industry and it's a very fickle town, uh, Los Angeles. Um, but he he's loyal. He's loyal. He uses the same people, and they respect and, and love him enough to come back, uh, and that says something. So it's it's not many, not every actor and not every filmmaker can can get people can get return business, no matter how big of a name they are. So I think it really I think it really speaks to the kind of artist that he is and how much people respect him, but also that they they know it's not just going to be whatever the context is, which is like, we're doing a TV show. They know it's going to be an experience and that's what they sign on for. And I think that's what most people are trying to have. It's something, a a different experience. It's fabulous that the show is, is still, you know, so popular and people are, you know, tuning in and loving it because obviously it's like such a departure from a normal TV show and it's such a departure from a normal, you know, linear style of thinking so that it kind of, it forces you to expand your mind in a way. So um, I can really appreciate that and, and just respect it so much. So, yeah. So. I just got, I felt lucky. Also, I know that, like, if there was a, a reboot of any other show, like, I don't know, say they redid my so-called life or something like that. Um, not that I'm the age range that would be right for that, but for maybe one of the teachers or something like that now. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't even get probably an audition for that show, let alone be cast in it because, you know, I'm, I'm like, working, which is fabulous, but I'm not, like, you know, when people like super movie stars like Glenn Close are doing TV, you know, it squeezes out the people who, who've done this for a living for a long time <laughs> who aren't necessarily sure. Glenn Close. Or Meryl Streep, who still hasn't done a TV show yet, but I'm sure they're trying to figure out one for her. Um, so you know what I mean? There's there's less and less of a of a uh, uh, opportunities now for Come whatever on, Madeline, reason. Even though there's more TV me feel shows. Old. Than, <laughs> what? I said you're my age. You're making me feel old now. <laughs> oh no, no, don't be old. Um, I've no, been, I know I've it's harsh. Around a long time. Um. But anyway, so I loved working with David Lynch. It was a, a wonderful experience, and I'm very grateful that that he that he liked me and wanted me for the role. Yeah, that's awesome. Sure. Um, so you, you're talking about how busy you've been, and we we've heard it. And your uh, your PR people have told me you've been uh, filming some new movies. So tell us about new stuff that you got coming out. Where can we see more of Madeline in the near future? Um, well, 
I uh, I just finished two movies. One of them was called The Chain, which is um, with Ray Weiss is in it and um, Jean Patrick nice. Amadori. Um, I don't know why I said Jean. <laughs> it's like I've added a weird <laughs> accent to that. I think I must be just so tired. Um, anyway, but uh, John Patrick Amadori from from Dear White People and um, Adrian Barbeau and uh, Jamie Clayton. It's like such a great cast. Like the casting um, director Michelle Lewitt did an amazing job, and it was just such a lovely uh, experience. Um, and that that's a, a psychological thriller. Um, awesome. And uh, I played I play John's wife in that. And um, then the other movie I had I just finished, I, I had an, a wonderful experience as well with a female filmmaker, Roxy Shee. Um, and I play Chloe Clark, who's the wife of um, John Clark. Um, and John Clark is played by Adam Huss. <clears throat> and Grant Buller is in it and Deborah Wilson. And uh, I guess Misha Barton, they just cast Misha Barton for one of the roles as well. Kind of funny. Oh, wow. Um, I don't have any scenes with her, but um, uh, she's lovely, and I, I'm I'm glad that she's she's getting some good work. Um, yeah. So uh, that that I play a uh, that's the one where I play a grieving uh, mother without giving too much of the story away. But um, right, uh, yeah, um, that's it. Sounds and, great. And then I just, I, what? I know. Go right ahead. We're we're listening along. Okay, sorry. I also I talk so much. I'm just like really a talker. Okay. I can ramble <laughs> for a long time. You can ask one question, we the like whole interview it. would be over. Oh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, also, I just wrote and directed my first short film, which I feel like has well. been the thing that kind of saved me because being an actor really is tough. Where you can't. I mean, literally, you have to five or six people have to say yes to you for you to get any job ever. And, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how well your audition was. Um, but I, uh, so I, I wanted to start to feel more in a power position and I, I cast my little sister in, in this short film that I wrote. And, and so I'm in editing right now. And, um, uh, whenever that's done, I'll, it'll be out there somewhere. Um, but that's called Warm Human Magic, and it's really about how technology has changed the way we interact with each other and how difficult it is to be yes. present to each other in our own lives now. So, oh, that's really that cool. That sounds excellent. It, yeah, it's something that, you know, just the way you described it about technology taking over, it's kind of something, that, it's a story that needs to be told, and I'm dying to see how it comes out through your eyes. I'm excited to see that. I wrote the name down, and I can't wait to check that out. Um, let's, that almost let's sounds like a... Sorry. No, That's that okay. almost sounds uh, like a, a Black Mirror episode. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's the way technology influences um, today's culture and how we view ourselves and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that's on Netflix, Black Mirror. Um, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be go down I've the same road. Two, I've seen one or two of the episodes. I haven't seen that one. Or there was one that somebody was telling me about that sounded amazing where – in the future, people will get rated on their personality or something yeah. like that. And mm-hmm. I, I want to see all the episodes. I haven't watched all the episodes because it's been the whole, this whole last, this whole beginning of this year has been kind of nonstop 
going. <laughs> I've been just going and going and going, um, yeah. which is fabulous. I've gotten more done in this last year than I have in the past probably three or four years of my career and my life, just creatively and everything, which has been great. But it's also uh, a little, little exhausting. Um, sure. But um, uh, I want to check out Black Mirror. Everyone says it's amazing, and I have seen the one episode where. I think it's um, Toby Kebble where he, he replays stuff and he can see things exactly how they went and, like, you yeah. watch exactly. And, and, yeah, that one is really dark and really, really good. And uh, <laughs> they're, they're all really dark and really good. I recommend them all because yeah. it's just like a full mind F for, <laughs> for you. I wouldn't re- recommend watching them alone because uh, they can get creepy. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really am a fan. <laughs> Yeah, it's just brilliant sci-fi is just such a good, if it's really good, it's a good social commentary, and it kind of makes us all look at our society and go, oh, we might be going Mm -hmm. in the wrong direction. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That's what great art does. It it, it can be very powerful, and it can help, you know, expand our minds. It's, it's, uh, it's, It's grateful. So, yeah. Excellent. Um, to switch gears a little bit from the acting scene, uh, you know, we, we spoke yesterday, as I said briefly, uh, Madeline, I had the pleasure of having a one-on-one conversation with you. And, and you mentioned things like um, you want to teach young people to be comfortable in their own skin. Uh, you know, you said people can be shy, but you think you got to have confidence in yourself. Uh, what kind of words of advice do you have for young aspiring, aspiring actresses or just basically young people in general? Like what kind of advice would you give people as far as uh, – just being themselves and being successful within their own skin. Well, I don't think I'm much of a teacher. I don't think I have anything to teach anybody, but um, <laughs> I do have a lot to say. I talk a lot, but I'm not a teacher. Um, Cause I feel like, you know what, that with people that we all um, have to learn in our own way and that, you know, to, to try to, teach somebody a lesson it gets kind of into murky waters because then you're almost like telling someone how how to be or how to live their life and no one wants to be told what to do or how to be it just doesn't work you know what I mean so um I I just want people to be to learn how to trust themselves I think it's I think it's we're in our society in our in our world we're conditioned to look to outside people for everything for our sources of love and support and comfort and um and acceptance our sense of identity i mean everything is outside of ourselves but the truth is is that when you give things to yourself if you give yourself you know you take the time one night to like watch an episode of black mirror or or read a book that you really love or give yourself a bath or take a walk you know, and it's just time for you to experience it 100% of yourself. You feel, you get this, like, power from it, um, which is that you don't diffuse the energy that, that you give to yourself by sharing it with anyone else. I think, like, alone time and learning to trust yourself and be with yourself and be happy with yourself is one of the more important things in life. Um, I always say, like, I love to romance myself, even though I'm in a lovely relationship. I love my alone time where I, I take a bath and listen to some Billy Holiday and, like, read a book or, like, go to my favorite meditation spot or, like, learn a new song on the guitar. Like, I have to give myself things that, 
that are gifts that no one can take away. Um, And and no one can touch, you know. Um, Especially nowadays, there's so many, it feels like everything that's good is, is getting destroyed. And so we have to, as a as a community, as as human beings who who want only just to you know the best for ourselves and our loved ones, um, we have to uh, hold each other w- while these times shift, and we have to um, be be gentle with each other and and remind ourselves of the good things in life because they're not going away. The good things are not being destroyed. Um, they're just quieter. There, the, the the negativity in the world is so loud, and it it really is distracting. But there are so many beautiful things, and it's really on us to to use our mind to direct our attention back to things that are um, just pure pure good good vibes. Because you know, um, yeah, I think we all feel a little depressed. We've been in a depression for a long time, and um, and it's important to feel good and good art, good shows and, and, and like time with yourself empowers you in a way that, that nothing else can. Um, the writing and, and directing now has been an incredibly empowering experience where I wasn't sure I could do it, you know, and, and not too many people were that supportive of it. You know, even people who were like, Oh, you've been doing it your whole life. You should, you should probably do that. Not surprisingly, not many people were on board. Hmm. Um, so I and and nobody was going to give me something of their own material for me to direct. So I had to write something in order to direct it. And that's really the whole reason that I wrote something, just to to, to prove to myself that I could do this thing. You know. So yeah. I, I, basically, um, you know, the only one who can empower you is yourself. And and looking outside of us all the time for those things is um, is is not it's misguided and it's never going to result in anything other than like a temporary uh, relief from suffering. But really, it will just it, it, eventually you'll go back to a low place because it's not built on your you know uh, it's it's built on things that go away, which are other other people and their opinions. That's yeah. not. You know that's not a part of yourself. You can you can build yourself into whatever you want to be, and and giving yourself like um, the things that you love, um, like is, I think is just the most important thing. So that's my advice for just all people. Um, as far as like acting and all that kind of stuff is concerned, it's very difficult to be an actor. So really, you have to know what you're made of, and you have to have incredible depth in order to hang in there as long as I have. Um, and not become an addict, not turn to drugs, because it's a very painful uh, thing. <laughs> it's painful. Yeah. <laughs> um, being a human being in, unto itself is so difficult and just hard enough. I think it's like Richard Pryor, like live on Sunset, he would say, you know, it's hard just being a human being. <laughs> and, you know, like black, white, whatever, it's hard just to breathe. And I, I feel that, you know, like it's difficult. It's it's um, so so whatever you can do that that's a healthy form of of escape from that. Like you know, TV shows definitely on the healthier side um, are all good. <laughs> I I totally hear you, and I appreciate you know what you're doing, and you know you just have to make yourself happy. 
um, if act, I mean, if producing and directing is and writing is what you're passionate about, um, you know, I'm all for it. I'm glad you're doing it because you're an amazing actress. Um, it, it took, you know, little balls for me to <laughs> even be on this radio show because I'm not used to being, um, on air. I don't have the typical radio voice, but, uh, it, yeah, I, I, I totally, uh, get what you're saying by taking care of yourself to, uh, take care of others because, um, I am a mother and, uh, I, I just found that when I didn't take care of myself, I wasn't taking the best care of my daughter. So I have to definitely take the time out to uh, take care of myself, to uh, take care of my baby. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I can't wait to see your upcoming projects. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely a fan of yours. I always have been, you know, it's almost like we grew up together because we're the same age. You know, I've seen you on so many different things. So, uh, and my yeah, mom really and dad are from PA. So nice. This is like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Allentown, I, right? I grew up in, yeah, yeah, Allentown. They met at Penn State. And, nice. Um, I'm a Penn State graduate. <laughs> oh, you are? Oh, yeah. Well, my mom and dad are both alumni, so. Sweet. Yeah. yeah nice. or alum- is that what it's called, I guess, when people, I didn't go to college, so I don't know. <laughs> alumni. <laughs> alumni. Alumni, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so, uh, that's so great. That's so great. What did you, what did you, um, major in? Uh, telecommunications. Uh, yeah. Oh. So I have some radio background. Uh, I, I tried to go and to school for radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's where we ended awesome. up. Communications. So great. So great. And how old is your daughter? Uh, she just turned three. Thank you. She's, Aww. she's awesome. She's hilarious. <laughs> so cute. Well, congratulations. It's it's an amazing I mean, my my friend is is pregnant. She's just about to give birth like pretty much any day now and um her her like midwife woman, I think they call her a doula, um uh said that literally when you when you give birth you're changing the consciousness of of the whole world, which is like the coolest thing I've ever heard. And oh. definitely you are. You're changing the world like one human being at a time. And um, it's it's no small task. And although for whatever reason, the role of the mother is sort of uh, whatever, it's it's not it's not as venerated as it as it could as it always should be. Um, so yeah. good. Good for you. It's it's um, I don't know what I would do without my mom. She's yeah, she's an amazing woman. So That's so sweet. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, it's just true, yeah, I you think. Should... <laughs> you got Jewel on the verge of tears over here. She just loves, <laughs> loves everything you say. It's beautiful. It is. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, good. It's true. It's it. true. You should be proud. It's not a small thing. And it's, um, you know, it's not, again, like, uh, it's it's not easy, no part of it, but then to be responsible for another life and to try to do a good job with it and it be important to you that you do a good job. It means that you're, it means you're doing a good job. Yeah, totally. That's, you know, my number one priority and, um, <laughs> my main job in life. So, uh, what I can try to do is make a, a great person. <laughs> so thank you so yeah. much. Though. Your words are so sweet. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think Jeff has, uh, one more question for you. Um, Real simple, you know, being from the Allentown area, uh, Joel and I just want to simply ask, next time you're in Allentown, 
we want to stop by and just say hello. I mean, yeah, that'd be you nice. are just like, <laughs> you're like that kind of person that everybody in life should just approach and hug. You're, you're wonderful. You're amazing. We had such a great time tonight, Madeline, really. Um, very uplifting. Thank you so much, really, for, for coming on tonight. And we look forward to seeing you in uh, this upcoming film, The Chain. We look forward to this piece that you're making, uh, Warm and Human Magic. And people, if you haven't seen the shows yet, come watch some past work of Madeline. Of course, uh, Twin Peaks, Californication, uh, Heroes. You had to sit on Heroes, too. And yeah. uh, we hope to see so Yeah. <laughs> Cinderella story, yeah, all this, all this great stuff that we know and love you from. Um, Madeline, would you uh, take the time in the near future to come back with us? Yes, I would love to. Anytime, just give me a call. I'm around. Absolutely. Thank you so we would much. Love and I love talking. Yeah. I love talking to people. It's, it's, um, it makes me really happy, and um, I feel like we're, we're all here to help each other out as much as possible, and and uh, be as uplifting as possible. So that's my, that's part of why I do what I do. So. That's Thank amazing. you so much. And, th- and, and tell your parents <laughs> we are. <laughs> I will. I will. In 2024, ladies and gentlemen, Madeline Zima for president. Madeline, thank you so much for being here. You are delightful <laughs> and charming. This has been a great thank time. You, uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. Take care. Okay, thank you, Bye-bye. guys. Have a wonderful night. Okay, bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. I oh, my God, say, I love her. Just, <laughs> I love she her She is so incredible. Much. And, you know, years and years and years ago, when I used to watch The Nanny, we all watched it, and I used to that is just the cutest little girl, and she is just going to grow up to be the cutest young lady and just have this amazing personality, just the way she acted, the way she was. And she was... Exactly like I expected. She yeah. was yesterday in person. So it's not really, I mean, it's not really an act. The way she was yesterday just being so. herself. Yep. Yeah, the way she was yesterday being herself was delightful. She was delightful tonight. And uh, she does like to talk, and that's what we're here for. It's a, it's a talk show. Yeah. So one of these nights, one of these nights, we will have two hours of Madeline Zima. I wish we could have got so her to sing. I would have loved to hear her sing. Probably well, sure she has time. a beautiful voice. I'm sure she does. She said she's uh, always around, so uh, maybe she'll make a weekly appearance and do different things. She'll do comedy yeah. one night and sing. And we'll go well, see we her in Allentown. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. If she comes to town, I would go see her in a heartbeat. Just want to hug her. That seems like going to change my life. She's such a. Singer. I know you do, Jeff. Thank- Calm down. <laughs> oh, <she's- laughs> Easy. I'm a married man. <laughs> well, we thank Madeline again for coming on. And like I said, we'd like to have her on real soon. In case you missed it, she said her upcoming movie is called The Chain. Uh, and she has an upcoming piece that she wrote herself, Warm Human Magic, which will star her sister. She's got a couple uh, lovely sisters that both act as well. I know. Well, I have fun. to check that out. I'm so excited yeah, for that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for that. i, I got to keep up with it and keep up with her and, and find out when it comes around when I can check it out. I don't um, know if she actually said it, but it might be a comparison to Black Mirror. But I yeah, Black Mirror is crazy. I love that. Now I gotta go see Black Mirror. That's all my I got this I keep this big list in a book and I've got Black Mirror written down. I got the chain Worm Human Magic and I've got Madeline Zima for president. I got so much going on here in this book. That's a must of that's mine. A must. So uh, we're not done, though. We are double-heading, heading, wow, double-heading? Heading? Double-heading tonight in about 15 minutes, maybe a little better. Tony Chen is going to come out, and we're going to talk about his music. 
and I'm so excited for him to come on. Thrill him with questions. So let's rush into something we got to get out of our system, and it is everybody's favorite. What is on your playlist? Dun dun dun. dun, dun, dun. We grab our music library, which everybody has of some sort: Apple Music, Spotify, Notify, Pacify, whatever, and we randomly scroll through the songs. And we like know what we're listening to tonight. And I'm going to start it. Oh, here's a great song, Joel. The first one for me is Paul Westerberg's Dyslexic Heart. It is such a sweet, fun little romance song. Uh, it was big in the movie um, Singles, which was a huge hmm. soundtrack movie. Yeah, huge soundtrack movie. Excellent song. Um, very fun. Very poppy. Very 80s. That's uh, the first one on my list. Paul Westerberg's Dyslexic Heart. Jewel, what are you listening to over there? I love those songs like that. I love random little songs from movies that you don't know where the hell they came from, but it will drive <laughs> me crazy trying to think of where they came from and who sings it and where and what and why. Um, so, yeah, I wrote that down because I want to look that up because I'm not too familiar. I'm a lot younger than you, Jeff, so you have to be Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Hey, man! Just a was, simple fact. I was a father tonight. I was a father tonight. <laughs> yeah. Madeline Zima, Joel Tady, I'm the dad tonight. Thank you, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Somewhat. No, I have brothers older than you, Jeff. <laughs> Thank um, you. Yes, no, brothers in their seventies. Apparently, you'll appreciate this because you like uh, rocker chicks. But it's a uh, Crimson and Clover, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. I love yes. this version. It's a good one. You, there's just nothing bad you can say about it. Uh, I love, you know, the original Tommy James and the Shondells, but uh, no, this comes on on a Friday night and you're jamming and everything's right in the world. I don't even care if Joan Jett's a lesbian. That tight black leather, <laughs> my, goodness, my goodness, wow. Um, big fan, we tried to get her here on the show and I was told by her PR, PR people that she, yeah, she does very little press. Um, her PR people did respond, which I appreciate. Wow. She does very little press, but yeah, I mean, in all the times we've done already, and <laughs> all the times we've done top five and uh, what's on your playlist, Jewel has had she's taken the lead for the first time. Yay! Her first lead, although dyslexic card is good, but man, Joan Jet, that's excellent. So next up on mine is a uh, it's a cover song, cover song by one of the kookiest, wackiest, craziest bands ever, Primus. And they're covering a terrific song from Pink Floyd, Have a Cigar. And they make it their own. The way Les Claypool plays that bass, man, they make it their own. They do an excellent cover of it. Bizarre, but an excellent cover. And it's worth listening to. Primus, Have a Cigar. That's uh, my second selection tonight. That's a good one. You're coming up with some good ones tonight. I am impressed. (laughs) Um, Thank you very much. my, My number, oh, my God. This song was on the radio today, and I was, like, screaming, singing it, even though I'm under the weather. I apologize for my voice, guys, but I am <laughs> so sick. I've had, like, five T's trying to power in through. But Cage uh, <clears throat> the Elephant, Cold, Cold, Cold. This oh, yeah. is such a good song. It reminds me of the good 60s bands that just wailed. And, uh, no, I, I love Cage. I have to really delve into their albums and and find what I like I but this song I jam out every time it comes on 
Are you a wow, fan, Jeff? Wow, you're a oh, huge fan. We were really going toe-to-toe tonight with great selections. Love. Yeah, yeah. Yellen. I was talking. I was talking about that earlier at my, my day gig uh, with a couple of people, and the one guy said, yeah, Cage, you know, one or two good songs. I'm like, dude, you have not been listening yeah. to the albums. These guys are fantastic. I, I love Cage Yellow. And, and, yeah. and so far, I'm telling you, some, a couple of excellent selections. Man, I wish we could just jam out. They don't come out with these songs. No, yeah. absolutely not. Um, ah, here's one, my next one. Uh, something a little harder. The band is Corn. The album uh, was an underrated album. There's issues, and the song is falling away from me. Um, just love corn stuff. Corn stuff is always uh, deep. Um, a lot of it is very thought processed and kind of a coming of age stuff for Jonathan Davis. He had a rough childhood, so a lot of his are, a lot of his songs are stories about his childhood. Um, and this is no exception. As a matter of fact, if you look at the album cover, it's like this torn up teddy bear. That's the, the album cover. Every time I hear corn, I get in that that mm, kind of spirit to really rock out. But you also listen deep to to the messages. So corn um, falling away from me was my third. I love corn. I love corn so much. Um, yeah, I I don't know what else to say. <laughs> I love corn. <laughs> corn, corn, corn. <laughs> I like corn. I like corn on the cob. I like uh, yeah. cream corn. <laughs> I love lamp. No, corn is freaking awesome. Um, I guess you want to hear my number three. Okay, Reckless Eric, Whole Wide World. Oh, geez, this brings back memories. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you're familiar, Jeff, but uh, this was from a movie. What movie was this from? It was from a Will Ferrell movie. But it, it just comes in like the sweetest song in the world, and then it jams out to where you want to tear your heart out. So, uh, Reckless Eric, Whole Wide World, um, preferably sung by Will Ferrell because he sang a great, I can't think <laughs> of the movie. It was the one where he was writing the story about himself and then he dies in the end. I don't know if you're familiar. I'll think of wow. it before we're done our top five. All right. You, can, you, you got time. Yeah. All right, you got time. You can look it up. Um, I used to know all the Will Ferrell movies. This one's kind of stumping me. It, it's not like funny. It's serious. It was a uh, yeah. Yeah, that's life version. I, I you know I'm mm-hmm. serious as you remember from past episodes and back when John was the host. I'm serious about maybe three seconds at a time uh, for the entire day. So that doesn't work good with me. <laughs> Number four yeah. uh, tonight, a band by the name of the Manchester Orchestra, and the song is called "I've Got Friends." Now, it's not an overly popular song, but I will tell you it's got a tremendous memory for me. Two memories. It was a soundtrack a few years back to a um, to one of the uh, video game, baseball games. I've got friends. Every time I'd play <laughs> baseball, I'd hear this song. And at the end, I'd throw my controller at the TV after I let up a late-inning home run. But a couple years back at the Atlantic City Beer Music Festival, these guys were there. And I heard the name of the band, and I said, you know what? I don't even know who these guys are. They break into this song. I turn in delight. I accidentally punched the girl in the face and dropped her. I spilled my beer, and I had this huge ruckus over this song. This song, to me, has the greatest of memories. I've got friends. Manchester Orchestra, and remember it goes, I've got friends in all the right places. I know what I want, and I know they don't want me to stay that girl looked at me like I was the, I was the devil. <laughs> so oh there's my the God, song behind. Great. There's your story. Uh, oh, we are 
you know, we have excellent research people now here at the Stoop. You know, we're progressing. And our okay. research department has telling us that it, the Will Ferrell movie, we believe, is stronger Stranger than fiction. Stranger than fiction. I know. <laughs> we got great uh, researchers, but a horrible reader in me with my terrible <laughs> eyesight. It's stranger than fiction. Thank I you, love Cassie. that movie. That's such a good Cassie movie. does the research here on the stoop. She does the research here to She's keep the, the stoop studio nice and clean. She's the best. She nailed that one. Stranger than fiction. There you go. Right after Manchester. Such a movie. You know what I'm it is? I think it. she ran... <laughs> she ran down to cut off the Manchester Orchestra story, more or less, because she knew where it was going. <laughs> uh, what is fourth, Jewel? What do you got? You are more of a geek than me, talking about Zelda facts. I'm surprised I haven't talked about Zelda <laughs> the whole time I'm on air, because it's literally been part of my, you know, the past six months of my life, I, I've been playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> And I, I love the soundtrack and, and all the fairy tunes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I know I'm a geek. I don't give a shit. You're listening to, like, NHL bands, uh, Tony Hawk, rock band, whatever. I'm not a geek. You're a geek. <laughs> <laughs> number four, geek. <sighs> okay. Uh, number two. Oh, I'm going to sound like a geek. I don't, I don't give a shit. Okay. So uh number number two, Suzanne Sunforth, darlings, this Norwegian beauty has crept into my life. Now I'm a geek because she sounds like a nineties video game has entered my brain and just exploded it with wow. music brilliantness. It's so amazing. I can't explain this woman. She made herself sick making her own album. She's a genius incarnate. I, I can't say enough about this woman, Suzanne Sumford. She's from Norway. Um, she's doing a North America tour, and I have to be on the boat. I have to see her live. Um, you know who she kind of looks like for the guys out there? She kind of looks like a Dakota – what's her name? Not Dakota Fanning. Dakota Johnson. Dakota Johnson. Yes. Dakota Johnson. Yes. Okay, all right. From, uh, Okay. Yeah, she's uh, very some, pretty. Some guys might like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, yeah, you, uh, know the, you know, the wife's in the studio. She was just here. So we, you know, I don't find any other woman attractive. Hey, anyway. <laughs> don't have our taste. No, she's just so cute. And I, I love her music. I think she's a freaking brilliant, talented genius. So Suzanne Sanford, Darlings, from the album 10 Love Songs. That's my number two. Wow, that's excellent. Uh, so much better than punching a girl in the face and spilling your beer all over the place. Your your stories are definitely better than mine. Oh, here we go. Now, now, Jewel, you're going to be proud of me. You're probably not going to believe this came out of me. A live version from MTV Unplugged several years back. Nice. Jay-Z's Big Pimpin'. Oh, baby. I got to tell you. I I am not the biggest Jay-Z fan. But when I saw his Unplugged show, I absolutely loved it. And I love the way he does Big Pimpin'. I like where he changes that one lyric where he comes out with uh, can of peas, a stamina be enough for Pamela Anderson Lee. And I'm like <laughs> laughing hysterically. It's so great because it's Say improv, it again. but it's so funny. Um, can of peas, a stamina be enough for Pamela Anderson Lee. And he gives an MTV James of the Week. And there I am rapping. Uh, so we will never do that again. So I'm pretty sure 
if we had maybe 500 listeners tonight, we now have about <laughs> 10. <laughs> but no, Jade, I, I love it. I love, I always loved MCV Unplugged. I would give anything Woo! to have a comeback. You know, bands live and raw in front of a cozy audience, kind of playing from the heart. And if you've seen them, the Pearl Jam one, the Stone Temple Pilots, yeah. Nirvana, Nirvana. Even the Jay-Z one, LL Cool J did it. Yeah. Fantastic. And this is, to me, this is really... Huge. I absolutely love it. I recommend if you've never heard the album, check it out. Jay-Z, MTV Unplugged, and of course, Big Pimpin'. That's uh, my list. What do you got, Jewel? Well, Jeff, I was going to save that for next week, but you know MTV's coming back with Unplugged? Can you believe it? Really? Get out of here. Oh, I didn't even know this. Goodness. Oh, yes. The news. This is huge. Jewel, you have broken the story right here on the stoop. You've made my night. This night can't get any better. Madeline Zima, MTV Unplugged. Yep. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's wow. going to be Such huge. Dude. And I wanted to look more into it, but, yeah, can you imagine the talent that's going to be on there and who's going to be on there? Hopefully I'm wow. them. Fingers crossed. But, yeah, anyway. <laughs> wow. Tremendous reporting, Jewel. You are crushing this spot five episodes in. Four episodes in. I'm jumping ahead. On top Four of episodes it. In. To Man, tonight you. You, you you might end up winning what's on your playlist tonight. What's your latest entry? What do you got? You're going down, Jeff. And I don't know if it's because of this last entry, but you're going down anyway. It's She and Him by Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> um, you really got a hold on me. I guess my, my playlist took a turn for the more mellow side, but I love freaking Zoe Deschanel's voice. I love her, love her, love her. Love her as an actor, comedian. Like, she's just... I I, I really love her. And um, I love her voice. She sounds like Judy Garland. And she takes me back. So, she and him, you really got a hold on me. And that, that concludes my top five. Wow. I, I, it's funny. Um, it sounds like we're, we're in the same world here, that. Um, Somewhat. the other night, almost, <laughs> almost, almost famous was on the other night. Um, Aww. and of course she plays the sister. Um, and we watch and, and some of her acting at times is a little too methodical. Um, really? but I love her. I think, uh, I think she's adorable. <laughs> she's, I mean, her and, and Madeline should do a movie together. Remind me a lot of each other. This quirky, that might be funny, too cute, cute. That might be personality. Like two, two <laughs> Coming together, <laughs> having a ball yarn. Two, I don't know about that. Two cute kittens. That'll be the movie. It'll be called Two Cute Kittens, <laughs> yeah. where they come off as these adorable young ladies that turn out to be psycho-killing bitches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. I am pitching this. Uh, oh, <laughs> great. I do love her, though. I, you know, and her singing's really good. She's got a great voice. Uh, you know, she was here that. like two years ago, and I missed her. I'm so mad about that. You never know. She'll come back around. I think music is uh, big to her, important to her, and you know, hopefully she comes back on tour. Mm-hmm. Let's review uh, a knockdown drag out. What's on your playlist? I started off with uh, Paul Westberg's Dyslexic Heart. Jewel came back with uh, Crimson and Clover by Joan Jett. I countered with Have a Cigar by Primus. Jewel came back with uh, Cold, Cold, Cold by Cage the Elephant. Really got a dead heat, hot, dead. Heat I high. Beat. What you talking? Uh, I came back with, <laughs> came back with corn. 
falling away from me. Corn, that's big. It puts me back on the on the map. Then you came back with uh, Reckless Eric and uh, Whole Wide World. And once the research team found out the movie was from it, bumped you up a couple notches. You were there. Uh, <laughs> I've got friends by the Manchester Orchestra. You know, as close as we were, I blew you away right there. Um, <laughs> oh, speaking of music, I hate to I hate to stop. But we've got a call coming in right now. It is Mr. Tony Chen, I believe, right here, speaking of music and musicians. Uh, Tony, welcome to the stoop. Hello, hi. Um, this is Tony Chen speaking. Can you hear me? Hi, Tony. Yeah, we can hear you very well. Okay. Hi. Hi. How are you? Very, very good. Well, welcome how are the... you? Yes, I'm. I'm pretty well. And are you okay with the signal and everything? Yeah, you sound great. Okay, great. All right, are we oh, all here? Sorry. All right, yes. All right. So are we All right, we got everybody set. Are we Yeah, we're ready to go, Tony. Okay. We're we're on air. We're live. We go live and come right at you. I know you're a little nervous about being live, but don't worry. We take <laughs> it easy on you here and uh we like to just come out and have right. fun. Uh, okay, I'm gonna sure. keep uh, off because, the uh, you know, in a, yeah. Oh, right. sorry. We, Jules, we, gonna, yeah, that was my oh, cue. Oh, okay. So Jules uh, going to um, start out with a question. Yes, yeah, yeah, sorry. Are we starting now? <laughs> um, yes. You're oh, yeah. a critically acclaimed contemporary instrumental and new age music composer, voiceover talent. Um, you became self-taught musician at a very young age. Um, how did you discover your your love for musical and vocal performing? Well, um, let me put it this way, okay. Uh, forgive me that English is not my native language, so but I will try my best no, to make no, you understand. No, no, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, right. Actually, um, okay, you were t- talking about the uh, how I became loving music composition. Actually, at yes. first, I, I wasn't really interested in music. I was like forced by my parents to to learn the piano, <laughs> and then. Um, and then during my middle school, um, I was also forced to uh, participate in um, in an art festival in my school. And then the teacher asked me to do a duet with another classmate to do a piano. I was like, okay, and I didn't really interest interest in in that performance. But I just realized that that a classmate he uh, he plays the music by ear directly. So he once he listened to a pop mu- pop music. And then he darkly just played on the piano, and then that drove me into a, a realm of like, okay, I I became interested in how you can play the piano by just mm-hmm. actually by just listening to a, a piece of music and then play the piano darkly. And then I started to become um, started to become interested in uh, music orchestration, and then I started to work on portable music, uh, portable keyboards, and mm-hmm. then uh, and then I tried to collect the electronic keyboard to my computer so then that that was how i realized okay i'm i'm loving composition now music composition now yes and then for the voice is i just i like i like voice i like dubbing i like the animation dubbing i like the uh yeah uh, the the voice behind this thing and also the musical especially when i was very young i i watched many um many disney films and then i I especially like the song especially the song were translated into Chinese as well. So that's how I became so interested in singing Disney songs in Chinese as well. And then, and then, um, 
when I was young, lots of students, lots of kids, they were reading comic books. I probably I was the only one among my uh, among my group. I was reading. Uh, I mean, I I was using my voice to read comic. I assigned a unique voice to each character in the comic book, and then, so everybody was just reading the comic book in a silently, but I was reading it loud. Oh <laughs> like wow! I was so, doing the dubbing. Yeah. Did you read right. the comic book as a character in in? In Mandarin, did uh, and what was your favorite yes, comic Mandarin. book? Well, when, there were so many Japanese uh, comic books. I mean, okay, uh, like Saint Seiya, Dragon Ball Z. So yeah. that that the those was ones that I used to read, uh, mm-hmm. and then I signed each character a unique voice. And when I was like maybe before twelve years old, I could also. Do the female voices in the comic books? <laughs> but, That's so cool. But then after that, yes, <laughs> yeah, I just yeah. just play it with myself and uh, voice, and then I just feel like, okay, I wanted to uh, to receive some vocal training, and then now I'm just um, uh, become a professional voiceover artist so that I uh, receive voice jobs from clients. Yeah. Wow, that's that's amazing. Um, my my boyfriend is a immensely huge Dragon Ball Z fan. Um, he loves <laughs> Dragon Ball. Um, I, I'm, I myself is, am a Sailor Moon fan. That's more, that's more Japanese. But uh, uh, you right. have done voiceovers in Mandarin for some of Disney's biggest films. Um, do you know what of your fan base has been requested the most of you? And uh, which has been your favorite? Well, well, um, my Disney thing was my hobby. I, 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 I wasn't really officially hired by them, but I, I, I did lots of. Uh, it's it, it was an exploration for mm-hmm. um, for for singing the song in original English version, but and also at the same time I sing the Mandarin version, so that people can have a clear, um, can have a clear, how can I say, a clear image or or the effects okay. of how the different language would. Would sound in, I mean, in the in the in the song that they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. But I do I do receive lots of uh, requests for like a voice for uh, video games, voice for any animation. I also once um, asked to do the uh, Chinese voice for the Talking Tom, one of one of the app of Talking oh. Tom, but uh, the, the Mandarin version. But I yeah. can't remember the name probably. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah, so I I I, I did uh, receive lots of requests in the in the voice, and for music is um, I mainly do three kind of categories. First one is contemporary instrumental, and second one is um, Chinese style, and then third one is piano solo. That for my fan base, I believe that lots of um, lots of fans, um, lots of fans of mine, they are like uh, Chinese, and also some some people there from the Western. Society, and then mm-hmm. I feel that lots of people they they are very interested in listening to my piano solo pieces. So they are very just calm and peaceful. And then you can just use these piano solo pieces as your background music whenever uh, I mean while you are doing uh, your stuff. Maybe you're at work or cooking, and you can just use it to calm yourself. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, I also have a contemporary instrumental, so that's Westerners. Uh, Western style in a new age style, so people can feel very positive and get inspiration from it. And for the Chinese music, is I use Chinese melody to um, to combine with the Western orchestration, so that 
um, Westerners can understand um, the the Chinese music. That's terrific. Um, yeah, we're gonna play um, a little bit later in the show. We're gonna play uh, one of your newer tracks, "The Courage to Believe." Uh, and like mm-hmm. I said, I listen to it, and it is soothing and relaxing and calm, and that's outstanding. Uh, let's go to something that Thank may you. not be as soothing and calm in your career. You're a member of the voting uh, for the Recording Academy. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about that briefly today, you and I, Tony, and you asked me not to not to ask you how many members are on that committee, and we won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, how, how does that process work? You get to listen to a lot of different music. Uh, you know, is there ever things you would disagree on with final decisions, or does the whole room come to a vote? How do you decide uh, who you're picking in these categories? Okay, so uh, firstly, you have to reach a certain uh, criterion to become a uh, Grammy member. Um, so, for example, that you have like you have a number of um, how can I say you have you have to have like for example must have twelve qualified digital tracks. Or equivalent okay. duration of content in in a, in a commercially released, and then maybe you also have to be like you were nominated for Grammy Award within the previous five years. So there oh, okay. are kind of, kind of some some membership types and qualification that you can people can just uh, figure out by going to GrammyPro.com. And, uh, during the uh, Grammy um, voting process was like okay for as a member that you are able to submit projects to the Grammy so that this this um, submission can enter into this year's Grammy. And then the next step would be that we'll listen to, there's a platform in, in GrammyPro.com uh, and also there are so many different Grammy groups on Facebook that we, we, share, of, uh, we share our submissions within, uh, within the group. And then the, okay. all the Grammy members, these are the only people that who are allowed to vote. So basically that we receive so many requests of listening to uh, this year's entries and also there's a platform of uh, all the entries that we can listen to the music uh, through the website platform. And then we vote and then we receive a, a ballot that we vote. And after that, the, uh, there's a committee in the Grammys also, they, they, would, they would choose, uh, they would decide on whether this, um, this is right for the category or this is not right for the category and then they will say, okay, your ent- your entry has been uh, accepted, and then that was the first stage. That after voting, that we got uh, a result of we get a result of nomination, and then we get to the second stage of voting, and then after that vote, that vote would decide who would be the winner, and we won't know the winner until the final uh, Grammy Awards. Oh, yeah, wow. so that's basically so you- the uh, simple stage. Yeah. So you have no clue either going into the show who's going to win. You just place the vote, and you don't really get to find out what yeah, the decision we just, is. We just vote. Yeah, we just vote. We just uh, have to say, we listen to the music. We vote only um, solely on the quality of the composition. We don't, we don't really know um, who is going to win. We just vote, and then the result will be announced at the end of, uh, on the day, on the very day of the Grammy Award. But wouldn't you just write in Tony Chen? I mean, if I were you, I'd be like, Tony Chen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) All right, go ahead, Joe. Yep. Um, Yeah, that's so exciting. Um, I couldn't imagine being a part of that whole process. But uh, you Mm -hmm. won several awards for composing the score for the documentary Free China, The Courage to Believe. 
Um, can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that message? Um, yeah, I'm not going to comment because uh, you definitely know more than I do. But uh, just say how mm-hmm. how that whole process and um, what what that was like for you and and your life and and how it was um, bringing that to life. Okay. So um, the documentary of Free China is about humanizing China. So I originally from China, and then mm-hmm. I, I moved to the UK. I took up a practice called Falun Gong. It's, um, it's a Chinese meditation exercise based on principle of uh, truthfulness, compassion, tolerance. But if you do this exercise in China, that you'll be brutally persecuted. And mm. um, this is a this is exercise to how can I say it's. Exercise requires you to let go your attachment, let go your selfish thoughts, let go your um, thoughts that make you frustrated so that you can get inner peace. And at the same time, with the support of five exercises, you can get uh, better health. So, um, so that's why lots of people, they, they took up the practice. My mom took up the practice for like now since 1995, and then she's been healthy since then. So over 20 years, she never really went to hospital and never took pills, and she wow. keeps herself very healthy. And then lots of Chinese people, they took up the practice in the year 1999. The, um, the practitioners of Falun Gong far outnumbered the Chinese Communist Party members. Then the Chinese Communist government thought, thought it's a threat to their power, so they banned the exercise and started a brutal persecution. Thousands of innocent uh, made more than thousands of innocent people have been tortured to death. And even it's been exposed that their organs are targeted for money. So which means that, okay, so if you need organ transplant operation and you go to China, the hospital will guarantee you, okay, I can get you the organ within like a month, within several weeks, so that basically they kill a person to get you the organ. And then the majority of the victims has been proved that being Falun Gong practitioners. So, so then we feel that because I'm, I'm now not in China, so I cannot go back to China now. Uh, and then, but I feel that it's something that I should do to raise awareness of what's happening in China so that we can yes. put, the do- uh, put the persecution to a stop. And that's then so uh, free admirable China, the car- of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so uh, great of yes, you sorry. to do. Um, thank you, thank you. Yeah. That, that's and the, beyond terrible what what's happening to them um for such a simple beautiful practice that that mm-hmm. you experienced um meditation it it should be mm-hmm. it should be free and all people should experience that so our that yes. it's must bring me to tears to think of that um yes. that you can't go back to your homeland and uh, I, I hope you and your family are are well and okay and uh, I'm very sorry mm-hmm. for that Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yes, I mean, Falun Gong is a very good exercise after I took up the practice because before that, you know, a musician could easily get depressed. And then after taking up the practice, I feel I became more rational and, and then I never depressed any, any longer. And then, and also that sets my music mission because I feel that, oh, I can be so positive. I can always be calm. So then I want to uh, create music that can positively impact l- the lives of others. But in China, if you do that, you'll be persecuted. Let, let's go back to the Free China documentary. The Free, uh, Free China documentary is uh, part of my effort on raising awareness of the, of the persecution. So this uh, documentary tells the story of two survivors 
who escaped from China's prison. So they were put into prison um, for practicing Falun Gong, and then they shared their experience of how they were tortured and how they were like um, m- might become the victim of organ harvest. So, um, so I did. I was lucky enough to be the soundtrack um, <clears throat> for the whole documentary and also the theme song. And and after that, luckily that we got. Um, uh, we, we nominated for the best soundtrack album at 2012 Hollywood Music Media Awards, and also the theme song received the award in 2013 Hollywood Music Media Awards uh, as the best uh, indie film documentary theme song, and also the whole score also won the best music award at the third Bangalore Shorts Film Festival in uh, 2014, and also luckily we were official contender for best original score and best original song in the 86th Oscars for, for the uh, for the documentary theme song and the soundtrack. So, uh, it's great that thanks. it's getting so much recognition, you know. Yeah, I I believe that uh it was the story, it was the uh the facts that touched people. And mm-hmm. also for the courage to believe for the courage to believe this song originally was sung by a female voice and but I know that the the copy you have is is my own voice, my own voice. And so this song is trying to, uh, when, okay, when I was um, at the uh, award ceremony, when I received the best theme song uh, award, I, I shared about one thing that I told everybody saying that music is not only a entertainment or a form of culture. If you use it right, music can also save lives. So I believe yeah. that's how, yeah, that's how I... Uh, how I wanted this song to um, to to carry this message to people, and also it shares um, our hope for the uh, a free China soon in the future, because currently China we we still don't have uh, freedom of speech, we still don't have freedom of uh, belief. So I believe that by clarifying the truth, clarifying the facts, so we we hope that free China will become a reality um, one day soon. Yeah. That's yeah, we we certainly Charlie. hope so. Thank also. you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you. and we're you know we're we're happy to have you here in this country. And you know, so many people are arguing about things in this country. We don't realize how good we have it until somebody comes and explains to us how good we have it. We appreciate it, Tony. Um, Thank you. We can so change gears a little bit. Yeah, talking talk about your homeland and, and talking about the United States a little bit. Uh, are you familiar with a lot of the bands here? Uh, are you familiar with American music? Who do you like? Have you heard anything uh, that really jumps out at you from American music? Well, um, for me, um, I, I I would share with you the uh, the the, uh, the influence I got from uh, uh, from American artists. Uh, firstly, it was Yanni's music. Yanni's music. Oh, he, yes. uh, is the, uh, yes. the yes the new age the music music composer actually. I just told you that when I was in middle school and we were doing a, a, a duet, a piano duet for uh, for the art festival, yeah. the first piece we played was Yanni's music. Oh, <laughs> okay. Nice. So that was the time, yeah. And then that was the time that I became uh, be aware of of what Yanni is doing. And then he has his own orchestra. He play electronic keyboards, so combine the classical elements with the modern thing. And then that was the time that okay, make me aware that I should. I should focus on more time. I should pay more attention to music now. Okay, and then I started to explore <laughs> the orchestration and everything. Yeah, 
And then that was the first influence I got from American artists. And then the second one was all the Disney songs. Yeah. Like The Lion yeah. King. The Lion King, all the musicals. I, I really like musicals. Uh, also, I like singing musicals. Uh, like Lion King, and then Aladdin, and um, Beauty and the Beast, and Toy Story. So, so many things. I think I'm a Disney fan. Completely, uh, completely a Disney fan. And then, so Disney's music is also the second influence for, for me. And then I also listen to John Tesh and also listen to Hans Zimmer, like the, the film score. So mo- I, I believe most of the music I listen to, they are kind of combination of um, modern elements with classical elements. And also I really like the very dramatic, uh, dramatic music. Yeah. So, so you like the beautiful music and you have a beautiful voice. Which no oh, one can you. argue. That. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> did you did you see the new Beauty and the Beast film? And um, has has that drawn requests from from your fan base for your YouTube channel? New New Beauty and the Beast. I did watch it. I also have a um, a cover singing of of the theme song. One of the theme song is the John uh, Josh Groban's Evermore. I put it on my website. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I said it. Nice. Yeah. 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 That's excellent. It's terrific. We, um, you know, it, but the culture, and you've done a, a great job. You, you started out and said, oh, excuse my English. But your English is terrific. You're very well spoken. Your music yeah. is uh, you. very uplifting and, and positive and, and calm and relaxing. Uh, what are you looking at in the future? Um, what do you hope to do in the future, Tony? Do you hope to do. Uh, some tours, you hope to do uh, some American stuff. What, what are you looking at in the upcoming future? Well, I do hope that one day I can really have a, have my own band and I tour with my music. Uh, but currently, I, um, I'm i still just working in my studio and then just uh, keep composing more and more music pieces. And then um, and then I, I also focus on the, uh, the Chinese style, Chinese style music. And then I also have lots of um, uh, participated in so many different um, Chinese cultural promotional events like uh, I've been promoting uh, it's, it's not like official promoting it's just my, in, my, it's my, in, my, in my spare time I would like to share their work it's by the um, uh, world famous Shen Yun Shen Yun performance it's called Shen Yun Performing Art so probably you've seen the billboards everywhere in, uh, in America for their performance sure. <laughs> they are trying to revive they are, uh, yeah, they are trying to revive the lost Chinese tradition uh, so I believe their works is so so good, and also they have computer animated backdrop uh, with a classical dance with myths and legends of Chinese culture, and with and also with a chi- uh, orchestra combining the Chinese and Western instruments. I believe mm-hmm. this is a very very good form on in reviving reviving the lost Chinese tradition, because the Chinese tradition was destroyed during Cultural Revolution by the Communist Party. So I believe that's a very very uh, valuable thing for me to do I mean to uh, not only uh, it's kind of like building a bridge between the Chinese and Western culture yeah Yeah, so that's basically also one of the things I'm dedicating my time to Um, so for for, yeah for music I also um, keep doing more piano pieces piano solo pieces lots of people they like listening to piano pieces which make them very uh, calm and uh, and yeah, and then maybe more Disney <laughs> Disney sing, singing as well. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And um, I just wanted to ask you if it was hard to combine 
the Eastern and Western styles of music. Um, you said the Western could be a little bolder in their in their beats and such like that. So uh, I just wanted to know how that process was for you. Um, you know, when you're when you're making the actual music. Right. Uh, firstly, that um, uh, for my understanding, that Chinese in Chinese music is very very focused on uh, the inner meaning. So, it's, so whenever you listen to a melody, the melodic line is very simple, but you can just feel there's there's great emotion, there's great inner meaning in there. So it's it's the taste. I mean, it's a specific. You cannot tell by by words. You you have to listen to it. That it's so soothing and so beautiful. And for the Western orchestration, I believe that the Western orchestration focused on precision, focused on so many different techniques. It's a it's a combination of techniques techniques, uh, precision, and also you have so systematic education, including um, the chord progression, including the use of harmony, uh, including different modes, uh, it, different tonal system, different keys. So it's a very complex and systematic uh, system. But Western, uh, Western orchestration uh, produce a very good effect in um, in making magnificent and cinematic and very dramatic piece. So that if you combine this with the Chinese melody, so that you can not only have a great profound inner meaning, but also it can be benefited from the Western orchestration's um, a glorious um, effect from, from that. So I believe these two combination is a very, very um, a great combination. Right, and it sounds... Yeah amazingly beautiful your work has proven itself over and over with the amount of awards you won so um congratulations to you i I hope we find you again on the soup because you're an amazing artist and uh and we really enjoy having you so thank you so much Joni. thank you so much for having me Absolutely. Uh, www.tonychenmusic.com. There's some biographies there, some stories, and some music that you can learn a little more about Tony Chen. Uh, Tony, I want to re-express the invitation to bring you back again sometime. What do you think? Sure, sure. I'd love to come back. I mean, in the future. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much. So we're going to uh, we're going to end uh, now with. We're going to end now with Tony for our fans that are going to keep listening. We have The Courage of Believe by Tony Chen. We're going to thank Tony for coming on. Tony, we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Have, have a good night. Thank Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. He was excellent. Uh, really, he's an excellent guy. A lot of story to tell. Yeah, he's terrific. Uh, oh so let's give everybody at peace. We got a wow long show. We got about uh, 14 minutes left, but let's get five Whatever. minutes of it for the fans to listen to <laughs> the courage of believe. This is Tony Chen from his newest album. Listen and learn. I do apologize for having an issue with the audio. Here Come we on, go. Jeff. <laughs>
Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I ran a little long. All right, that was uh, Tony Chen, The Curvers to Believe, and man, sang it terrific. What do you think, Joel? He's such a beautiful singer, such a beautiful artist. Um, his message is incredible. What he's doing for his people and what hope he gives them is amazing. Um, if if you could take a second to just Google the amount of persecution they're in, it's insane. Um, I don't want to go into it on the radio, but it's just amazing. And he gives his people hope, and it literally brings me to tears. So, um, Tony Chen, I am a fan. Um, he just brings joy and peace and love to everyone he touches. So thank you so much, Tony. You are truly a godsend. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony. And, uh, you know, what the world needs right now is uh, relations. And, you know, the U.S. Yeah. and China and trying to get together against the North Korean fight. And so you wish the best for the Chinese people. Yeah. And Tony's an inspiration. He was outstanding. And that song is terrific. We apologize. Yeah. He was a little shaky here, but... Uh, Check them out, www.tonychenmusic.com. We want to thank Tony Chen. We want to thank the amazing Madeline Zima. What a show tonight. Two outstanding guests. Uh, We had a great top five. We had a great what's on your uh, playlist. Everything went terrific tonight, Jewel. Unfortunately, got to start to bring it to a close. We're going to bring it to a close by telling Aww. the people about what's coming up here on the stoop. I know, sad, isn't it? <laughs> it is so We're going to do a 24-hour. We're going to do a 24-hour one. Right. I don't know about stage. that much. <laughs> Maybe 23 hours. <laughs> and we're doing it, you know, live at the Stoop Studios. Maybe maybe that will work. I like it. That definitely sounds uh, doable to me, and uh, we'll pull an all-nighter. Uh, but you think this show was great, and it was. It gets better. Next week, two huge ones, Monday, August 28th. The return of the beautiful, the badass, the bad yes. bitches, the Glam Skanks, Jules Pump, Woo. Jules and becoming a Glam Skank fan, and I'm a Glam Skank fan. It's going to be incredible. I heard I heard we're going to get all four of them to call in, so that's going to oh be God. quite a challenge. Oh, yeah, that's going to be something else. Uh, Allie, Cat, and, and Z, uh, V, rather, sorry, and the rest of the girls. That's going to be incredible. That's Monday night, the 28th. Do not miss it. These girls are awesome. They're worth every penny. August 30th, great pop singer, a terrific personality, a fun guy. He's going to be here talking to us. Aaron Paul, the yes. singer, pop star. He's going to be great, too. He's a lot of fun. Can't wait for it. Next week's going to be fantastic. We got some upcoming Next week's stuff. going to be a trip. <laughs> Next week's going to be incredible. we got some upcoming stuff and a little farther down the line in the future. September 13th, Potsy Weber himself from Happy Days and the singer Anson Williams. We'll be coming on and September 25th. A beautiful actress, a girl that I really love. Turns out I'm closer to her than I think. <laughs> Jessica Barth is going to be here. So we look very forward to having Jessica on as well. She's going to talk about her acting career. She's going to talk about the uh, Ted movies, her uh, working relationship with Seth MacFarlane, and lots of other good stuff. She's going to talk about this crazy cousin she has also, Jules. She says she's got this great story about this crazy cousin that lives in the Pennsylvania area. I don't know if you know anything about this girl, but Jessica says she'll talk about that. Um, yeah. Very generous again, that she's going to be on the stoop. Thank you so much, Jessica, for it. From your yeah, younger cousin. Very me. It's a listening night. I'm sure she's going to uh, pass, but uh, for now, we're going to advertise. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. So uh, we about reached the two 
hour limit. We are going to thank everybody for tuning in to the stoop. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Again, thank you to thank Madeline you. Zima. Thank you, Tony Chen. Thank you, Jewel Slim Tady Tady for kicking ass tonight. You kicked ass tonight. Thank you so much, Jeff. This was, I I think, the best show yet. What do you think? I mean, this was amazing. It was huge. It was awesome. I had so much fun. I wasn't quite nervous as I thought I'd be. What do you think? I think you're rocking. I think we're both rocking. A little alcohol, a little crazy talk, and some talented <laughs> artists, and, and we've got this stuff all figured out. For Jeff the Shark Perini and Jewel Tady, we're going to wish you a very happy Wednesday evening. Good night, everybody. Good night.